This podcast is brought to you by Rehoy and Son, big supporters of local sport. Hello and welcome to the Guernsey Press Football Podcast. Our thanks once again to Rehoy and Son for their support of the show. Coming up, reaction to a decisive week at home and away as Guernsey FC secure safety in the Isthmian South Central and Rovers seal their third FNB Prio League title. Interviews with Kevin Gillies and Tony Vance to come. Plus, we'll hear from the former Guernsey junior, now Bristol City Academy prospect Tim Apshin about his bright start in the Southwest, his subsequent serious injury and how he's fighting back a really positive chat with him to come i'm tony kerr and with me to get through all that is gareth the prevo hi tony and james feller hi tony uh great to see you guys um let's start with the rovers stuff shall we um because i think you were both down at a very wet and possibly windy as well uh, portsmouth on uh, tuesday night jim have you dried out from that yet well, I mean, it was a big decision when you go down on, on that night, honestly. I mean, the, uh, the, I think it was a wise decision by Rovers to decide that they weren't going to have the trophy presented uh, on the evening because it would have been the dampest of all squibs uh, to, uh, to have, you know, I mean, the, the cup would have filled with rainwater before they got it off the pitch, you know, or dreadful evening. Yeah, I did really like, um, I've talked for Luke Prevo's photo of, um, of one of the goal celebrations, um, a couple of umbrellas in the background and some, some um, young kids with big smiles on their faces but looking thoroughly sodden uh, along with it so good effort from them well and this is the first time that Rovers have won that you know, obviously the third title now the Rovers have won but the first time they've won it without effectively appearing in a playoff uh, you know both their previous title wins were the top two playing each other on the last day of the season and winner takes all so this time they didn't have that I mean they had this run-in of what five or six games whatever it was once they beat North uh, for the for the final time, uh, they had this run of like five or six games to you know to to win the league, and obviously lost that early game to Vale Rec, which opened things back up again. But then when North didn't get full points against Rec, then it was in you know absolutely in Rovers' hands, and uh, and they kind of eased eased to it. And I suppose you know it was a a slightly rocky period for uh, for Rovers at, at one point. I mean, yeah, they kind of. I don't think anybody really had them down as title winners at the beginning of the season. And just by stealth, they suddenly, you know, found themselves there or thereabouts. I think a decisive game where we were both at um, was the match against North at Northfield, where North absolutely dominated them for 75 minutes and Rovers scored twice in the last 15 minutes, including a contentious uh, winning goal. Uh, and that gave them that, that advantage. And then I think a kind of, sense of belief that they w w were going to go on uh, you know, and, and really become, uh, you know, uh, if not title favourites, you know, real contenders. Um, then there was that nil-nil just before Christmas where neither side really managed to lay a glove on each other. And then you know, probably one of the matches of the season, the, the, the ultimately decisive 5-4 victory mm -hmm. at Portsmouth, which was, you know, one of the definitely one of the games of the season. And, you know, for Rovers, I think massive confidence boost as well. Then of course they lost Finn Whitmore, and that was that. That was the challenge of how they're going to overcome that. And the yeah, the first bid to do that, the game against Valrec at the Corbett Field, which they lost, and you could see they were lost in terms of oh, what do we do without our talisman centre forward? Uh, but they've managed to overcome that, and I think fair play to Martin Savadon because he's turned himself from being a right winger into a centre forward and done 
enough of a job to to help Rovers get over the line. In the game where they had to win against Saints, I thought he was very good at centre forward that day, and uh, you know he, he's kind of been able to step in and enable them to you know to, to get over the line as they have. Yeah, Gareth, what did you make of how they got the job done on Tuesday night? Um, I think it's one of those nights, Tony, because of the the nature of the conditions, you knew it was just going to be a scrap. There was no chance of anyone sort of outplaying anyone because you could hardly string two passes together through no fault of anybody's apart from the the wind and the rain. Um, the great thing for Rovers was they got an early goal. I mean, in, in those situations, you, you, you're expected to win. You've got the title on the line. Um, you don't want to be sort of um, going into the last quarter of the game having not taken the lead. And um, it was a good goal. Martin Savadon, as Jim's just talked about, he's, he's been impressive recently. He set up um, Max Simpson-Cohen, who, whose uh, finish was first time sort of on, on the run on the corner of the six-yard box. And he hammered it into the bottom corner. And it just settled everyone down, I think. Um, to be fair to Rangers, they they fought really well. You know, they, they weren't going to be sort of knocking the ball around in the most attractive fashion. But they, they continued to... Um, stay well drilled, well, well organised. Um, it was under Alex Leprevo, Chris Hardiff's currently away. Um, and um, yeah, they they sort of thoroughly deserved to be still in the game, sort of going into that last quarter. Um, and then Blair Howitt sort of popped up and uh, there was, there was no going to be no stopping his volley. When he hit that, he hit it as sweet as a nut. And uh, yeah, that sort of just uh, wrapped things up with about 10 minutes ago. And um, Kevin Gillies was able to bring on a few subs and what have you. And everyone could enjoy the enjoy the moment as far as Rovers were concerned, despite the weather. It would have been an awkward evening if they hadn't got that early goal, wouldn't it? Because yeah. you know, for a long while, it didn't really look like there was another goal coming in the game. You know? No, the funny thing was, they were playing into the wind, into that strong wind in the first half. And they played far better going into the wind because once they sort of turned with that 1-0 lead at half time you're thinking oh this could be 4-5 maybe even 6 and to be fair Rangers were just as good as Rovers in the second half to be honest and um, it was just nobody there was no real goal scoring chances and almost until that last quarter of an hour when Blair Howitt scored that one and then Rangers very nearly got a goal back straight away and Adam Bullock made a made a sort of important save just to to calm any nerves late on but uh, yeah it just, I'll, I'll put it down to the, the nature of the conditions that it wasn't ever going to be a, a goal fest on, on Tuesday night. Yeah, I'm sure that wouldn't have mattered to Kevin Gillies, would it? Um, an enjoyable evening, an enjoyable season, obviously, um, for him. Um, let's hear what he had to, to say to you, Gareth, at full time. Congratulations, Kevin. <laughs> How does it feel to sort of get it sewn up and get over the line? Brilliant. Yeah, brilliant. Um, obviously, we wanted to do it tonight. You know, we know we had the uh, next week as well as, as a cushion, but to get over the line... It's just uh, just means everything. Yeah, really, really, really pleased. And I mean, I've, I've spoken to you after some big games this year, but um, what do you think sort of been the key to the season overall to come out on top? Just belief this season, I think. You know, um, we sort of had a bit of a word of ourselves last season, um, especially in the big games where we just never really, just ne- never turned up in them against, you know, Saints and North and teams like that. We never really picked anything up. And uh, this season we just said, look, let's, you know, go back to basics, play the way we think we can play and have a real good go at everyone. And we did. And yeah, I I think we thoroughly deserved it over the, uh, over the course. Yeah. And um, it's, it's been a real squad effort as well. I mean, some of the guys you're bringing off the bench even tonight, you're thinking it shows the strength and depth you've, you've built here. Yeah. And luckily, you know, they're all such a tight knit group, you know, they're all such, they're all good mates. They all sort of, you know, they, they enjoy each other's company on the on and off the pitch, and you can see it in their performances. You know, every game they seem to get stronger and stronger, and uh, yeah, just got to look forward to the opt-in now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Quick word about tonight's performance because it, it was never going to be easy in those conditions, was it? Uh, it was awful conditions. You know, you couldn't have picked a worse <laughs> night for it, to be honest. But 
I thought Rangers set up well, to be honest. They made it really tough for us. And uh, we just had to wait for our chances. You know, we took them when they came. So I would have taken a 1 0 after getting, you know, after having no ball. But. 2 0 is fine with me. Yeah. 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 Like, so you've got the option to come. You've got one more league game to come as well. I mean, how will you sort of view that last league game? Is, is it something to sort of go out and try and win that one as a confidence boost ahead of that option? 100%. Yeah. You know, we want to break 50 point mark now as well. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, just every, every win breeds confidence. And, you know, we got Sylvans North in the FA Cup final. And now the opt-in. So if that's not enough to whet people's appetite, then I don't know what it is. Yeah. 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 And a quick word for sort of like as the club as a whole, because obviously, I mean, even on a horrible night tonight, you had sort of several dozen here to, to see you win it. And obviously lots of congratulations going on. Uh, as a club, it's obviously a big thing for, for Rovers as a whole. For sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, we've proved that we can be up there with the best of them. It's been a great season for the club. You know, the, um, <clears throat> the Division One was wrapped up last week as well. And now the Prio, and it just shows, you know, we just never give in down here. You know, we've had a lot of a lot of disappointment the last couple of seasons. You know, finishing second, finishing third. I think we've lost three big cup finals now. So to get this one over the line, hopefully we start getting that winning taste now. And, you know, we can, we can, uh, we can attack things again. Kevin Gilly speaking to you there. Uh, Gareth, um, they've got an Upton to come. It'll be against St. Peter, um, the Jersey champions, first time champions, I think, for 17 years over there, uh, who've just come off the back of demolishing North in the WeeWay Cup. Um, how big a challenge uh, do you sense that's going to be, Jim? Well, I mean, that, that doesn't particularly bode well for Rovers, does it? See, Saint, uh, sorry, St. Peter put six goals past uh, past North. I mean, North seemed to have a pretty decent side out as well, from what I could uh, from what I could make out. I, who knows? I mean, Rovers obviously haven't got a great record in the Uptons. They've lost both of the ones they've played so far, but obviously that was in kind of peak St. Paul's period as well. So you know, arguably they weren't expected to, to win. Um, you know, uh, who knows? I mean, you know, they are generally a well-drilled side that we play at Springfield. Rovers have the ability to play in different ways. You know, they can kind of go long or they can keep possession. So you know, it, it might well be that it suits them. I, I would worry pr primarily, I think, in that, you know, obviously the game plan, I guess, will be to try and keep it tight, stay in the game. At the moment, with with what the couple of players that they've lost over the season, now they don't really have any uh, game changer to come off the bench. Would, would be perhaps Mike had said, you know, if you can hang in the game with, with what you got, that's one thing. I mean, hey, you know, they might dominate it. I mean, Max Simpson Co might have one of his hot streaks, and uh, and, and then they might uh, really get off on one. But you know, if if they're if they're looking to try and make changes from off the bench, I just don't see those impact players there because those impact players who were on the bench earlier in the season are now in the first team. So um, you know that that would be perhaps a worry for me. But we'll we'll have to uh, we'll have to see how they're wrong. Yeah, you'll be there with the rest of the Ravers ultras on the boat. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I suppose. Uh, well, I think that, that's the plan. Whether whether it'll be uh, quite ultra behaviour, I'm not sure. I might be more restrained than uh, than Marathi Day. <laughs> um, well, it's May the sixth, isn't it? Over in Jersey, as you say. Um, so yeah, we'll have a bit more build up um, to that. Um, well, in the next couple of weeks. Uh, right, that's it for part one. Coming up next, we'll be talking Guernsey FC. Welcome back to the Guernsey Press Football Podcast. So Rovers uh, got the job done on Tuesday night. 
Guernsey FC very much got the job done as far as they're concerned at the weekend. Um, two draws um, combined with results elsewhere, seeing them um, securing their Isthmian League status for another season. Um, Gareth, you were following this uh, all very closely, um, as was I. Um, yeah, two sort of quite different points in a way. Um, and uh, in the end, a sort of classic Guernsey FC last minute uh, goal conceded um, to, to kind of, uh, yeah, to, to extend the uh, the tension somewhat. Um, but in the end, as I say, um, they got the job done. They now can't be caught by the sides below them, which means they will um, stay well clear of the relegation playoff places. What did you make of uh, of how they got there in the end? Um, well, let's say Monday afternoon was long drawn out, I think, in the end. Um <laughs> I thought it was going to be such a simple afternoon. When they went two up inside 20 minutes away at South Park, and to be fair, they sort of deserved to be two up. They were playing very well in that first half hour or so. Um, I just thought this is going to be like almost like a statement victory. This shows that we shouldn't have been in, in that dire position, really. I mean, I know a lot of different aspects went into why we were bottom at Christmas and those sort of things, but... Um, uh, yeah, come Monday um, after the really, like you say, it was a really good point against Walton and Hersham on the, on Saturday when Tony Vance, he took a bit of a gamble. He, he decided to rest what you'd probably call his big stars, um, certainly attacking wise for that Saturday game at Foots Lane. And um, it, it sort of paid off. The, the game plan was executed to a T. They got their point. They, they almost got three thanks to um, Danny Hale's terrific free kick, which hit the bar. Um, that was such a a big motivational boost going into Monday's game that it just seemed to all carry the momentum forward. And yeah, I, I did think that they were going to almost waltz that game on, on Monday after half an hour. Typical GFC, I suppose. They sort of um, concede an, an, uh, a goal sort of late in the first half and then it's a bit sort of like the nerves crept in a bit second half and um, I thought they were just about going to see it out and then a, a corner late on in deep into uh, injury time, they ended up conceding an equaliser. And so it just meant that they had to wait on other results, which was in the in the, in the great scheme of things, it didn't really matter that much because um, as Tony Vance later said, it's sort of like there's still three games left. They, they were pretty much secure by then anyway, but it would have been just nice to have said um, that victory has kept us safe, whereas we had to wait... Um, a long time, it seemed, that afternoon for the other results to, to come in. So typically, the, the Sutton Common Rovers result didn't come in until about a quarter of an hour after <laughs> everyone else. So it was, it was a long, drawn-out affair on, on Monday afternoon. But it came out as we wanted it to. And, um, yeah, I mean, you have to say Guernsey FC deserve to be safe for their form in 2023. They've been um, a much-changed side to the one we saw pre-Christmas. Yeah, very, very impressive turnaround in the end. Um, as you say, bottom of the table... Um, at the halfway stage of the season after 19 games. So, um, yeah, to, to sort of flip the season on its head, because um, um, thinking back to that stage, there was a couple of very, very heavy defeats, weren't there? It, it was looking it was looking pretty desperate at one point. Yeah, it is a bit the nature of the beast that Guernsey FC happened to go away to sort of like the top two sides um, with a very depleted squad before Christmas ended up losing. Was it 6-0 and 8-0, I think, in those games? So it, it was looking pretty depressing at that point. Um, there was always that thing on the horizon that we knew Ross was going to be coming back, Ross Allen, sort of in January. So there was always that. It was more than, than even a glimmer of hope, to be honest. You, you just knew that the, the form would improve. Um, the extent to which it's improved, I think, is a great credit to the players and the management. Um, yeah, like I um, tweeted earlier in the week, we had 11 points after after 18 games, I think it was. 
Um, so to then pick up an, the 29 from the next 17 games is just is quite remarkable, really. And it also shows, as, as um, Matt Loring pointed out a couple of weeks ago after his uh, 350th game, that it does make you wonder what they could achieve if they have all their players available throughout the whole season. Um, the nature of the beast is Guernsey FC have to go away in midweek games and they're never going to quite have that available to them. Um, but, you know, take 29 points from the last 17 games. If you doubled that up, if that had taken place before Christmas, you're talking over 50 points with sort of three or four games to go. And I mean, that is definitely sort of pretty much in the top five, I think, in Isthmian South Central. So it, it shows what we're capable of. Um, and yeah, it, it it also, I think, just shows how how good a character there is in this squad that... Uh, they knew they were in a mess, um, but they also knew that they were very capable of getting out of it, and, and they proved that um, it's come to fruition, really. Yeah, they were desperately short of goals as well at the start of the season. That's definitely changed around. Mm. Um, really impressive returns in the end for, for Sam Marriott. Well, yeah, we've got a couple of games to go as well. Um, Ross Allen, as you say, coming back in. Um, the only blank that they've drawn, um, yeah, basically since uh, since the start of the year was that game against Walton Hersham, which you, you can sort of excuse and, and actually... The fact that Walton Hersham drew a blank when Eddie Simon, who has been banging them in for fun, when it scored five the, the game after, um, that was extremely impressive. Yeah, I, in, it was it was a bit of a double whammy on Saturday because of that result, that nil nil, which Walton and Hersham were obviously pretty disappointed about. They're title chasing at the time, and they they still are. They're top of the table, um, but the fact they had to play Merstham on Monday, who were, were one of the sides below GFC, GFC that double whammy is sort of like. Paul Merstam basically had the backlash from Walton and Hirsch on Monday and they were three down in almost no time. And it was, you, you almost felt a bit sorry for them, but that was a lot, I think, was GFC's doing by holding them to that um, goalless draw on Saturday. And uh, yeah, it's, uh, it, it just goes to prove what GFC can achieve once they set their minds to, to something and they've got the options available to the management and it just um, yeah it, it came off really well on the weekend it, it was just a, a minor shame that they didn't win at South Park and, and had to settle for that draw in the end Well let's hear what Guernsey FC's manager um, made of it all um, you went down to the Aztec Arena um, a bit earlier this week um, just for a bit of a chat and a catch up about the weekend and the season as a whole Well Tony you've um, managed to now uh, beat the drop from Isthmian South Central. What's the sort of overriding emotion now that you know that you've um, um, got your safety? Few. <laughs> um, no, I mean, it, it. I know this is going to sound ridiculous, and but I have said this before, you know, the actual uh, situation. I, I was pretty confident we could get ourselves out of it um, back in December, January. I know we were, we were rock bottom and I know we were in a right mess, but um, I've always maintained that, that if we've got the right, level of players and, and numbers in particular, um, options um, for us to manage, coach, uh, put into a into a game situation where they're able to and capable of, of doing what we need to do in this league. I always felt that we could pick up enough points. Um, you know, when we were really rock bottom, I know 11 points or something like that in January, I don't think we'd even had half the season. So uh, so there was always that in, in the back of my mind and that gave me the, the sort of optimism and com confidence. But uh, you've got to deliver. I always keep saying that, you know, and and, um, and so it was easy to turn around and say that. It's easy to say it now, of course. And obviously people will just think that's that's what I'm saying it for. But but really, you know, get those players back. We always knew that Charlton could, could make an appearance at some point as well. And he's a game changer for us. So, so yeah, um, 
I, I was I thought we might be able to scrap enough points. I probably thought or felt that maybe it might have taken a playoff, but um, we've avoided that as well. So um, yeah, I mean uh, there is relief for sure, um, pleasant relief. But um, I think I'm more sort of um, impressed with how the players have, have um, achieved this over the last few months. It's a monumental effort, uh, to be honest. I was going to say, you've actually got three games left of your just of your league programme, so be safe that quickly from being bottom, like you say, in, in January. Um, is that almost exceeded those expectations, like you said, when you're getting players back? Absolutely, yeah. As I said, you know, I do believe I thought we'd, we'd just about scrape through, but like you say, three games left, nine points, um, you know, nine capable points as well, given what we've done. But if you actually look at the, the 29 points that we've won in the last sort of couple of months... That's playoff um, uh, form. Uh, I think, it, and I know this is easy to say again, it's hindsight rubbish and all that, but um, if we'd have won the games with the teams in and around us, for example, two teams who were relegated, I think they had four wins all season. Uh, two of those were against us, so that's six points. Um, and you toss up those points of all the teams in and around us, we'd be, I think, third if we'd have got the results that we should do and easily capable of doing if we've got the squad and, and that's my frustration is year on year we end up having to do what we're doing because of the Guernsey logistical problems and one I really really would love to be able to have a, a fair crack at this league because um, there's no doubt about it we could be in the in the playoff mix but um, realistically and and the most sort of the, the actual situation was is that we were in a real problem and luckily we got out of it. And can you just sort of talk through your emotions specifically from Monday afternoon? Because, I mean, you were 2-0 up uh, at South Park, ended up conceding in about the 94th minute an equaliser and then sort of like waiting on other results just to see if you're going to be sort of safe that afternoon. Yeah, it's strange because um, uh, we deserve to throw the game away, to be honest. Um, we were so comfortable. We did really, really well in the first half and then there was a period in the towards the end of that first half where we threw it away and, and get, gave them a goal and, and that killed us really. Um, second half, I just felt they were going to they were going to score, be it 50th minute, 70th minute, 94th minute. Um, it just felt that that was the way it was going. But um, whilst it was sort of um, a little bit depressing, if you like, and, and sort of frustrating, I always felt that we were going to be safe um, because the, the job had been done and um, anyway, uh, in terms of there was, there was no way Merston were going to win three games, their last three games, particularly when they had Walton and Hersham uh, that day. Uh, same with Sutton Common Rovers. They had to win all their three games. There was no way they were going to do it. And that was us with us losing our, our next three. So I was pretty comfortable. I'm not going to deny that I sat in the pub. I had one hand on my pint and one hand swiping the league constantly just to see. And, it, you know... It, it, it wasn't a massive cheer when when uh, when it was finally confirmed because it, I just felt the job had been done. Um, probably the job had been done, and I was more excited and more um, probably the proudest I've felt for a long, long time was on Saturday when we got a nil-nil draw against um, Morton and Hersham. That point was was massive um, because you know obviously okay we only got a point against south park and the idea was to get three there and and finish it off but um but i think that that point proved hugely sort of uh, uh inspirational inspir inspiring for everybody um to take us into that game on monday 
And in that game, like you say, you were sort of pretty dominant for most of the first half. Um, were you pleased with how you played and also perhaps a, a word on on a couple of outstanding goals, particularly the, the second one from a, from a certain Mr. Allen again? Yeah, I mean, uh, we we were uh, there was a period in, in that in that first half where we were cutting them op open, and um, it was actually almost too easy, and that was that was our problem, I think, because we haven't been in that situation before, and and our management of that game was really poor. Um, but um, you know, uh, that period we were, we were unstoppable, and um, you know, the goal by Ross was outstanding, the way he, um, uh, you know, the ball through and and the timing of the run, and of course the finish. Um, you know, that's that's what he can do. Uh, you know, the first goal again was a well-worked sort of set piece that they they sort of created off the cuff, if you like. But it was it was part of sort of some of our makeup of how we do things. But again, that was good inventive play. Uh, so uh, yeah, no, it, they were pleasing goals. And I mean, even though we were having a you know a, a sort of a wobbly time in the second half where neither team were really sort of looking very good, um, Ross had an unbelievable strike and unbelievable save, uh, which would have given us some daylight and probably, you know, allowed us to sort of be, uh, have, have some smiles on our faces with, with sort of 20 minutes to go. But um, their goalkeeper somehow kept it out. And uh, that was unfortunately, you know, it turned out to be a, just a draw in the end. But those two goals were good. Yeah, I mean, we've, we, you know, I've got, I think that's another thing that's been really pleasing uh, since the turn of, of when we've gone from one extreme to the other. I've seen the stats and I think, uh, back way back about eight, seven, eight years ago, is, is the longest scoring run we've been on, um, scoring goals every game, which is which is really really impressive at this level of football. Um, so uh, for us to to sort of do that, I mean, obviously we didn't score at Walton Hirsham. I think that was our first game we hadn't scored for fifteen odd games, and um, you know, that's not surprising when you consider the, le the level of competition you're playing there. But um, that was good, and and it's contribution from a lot of people. Um, obviously, Ross has been been significant when he's come back, but Sam Murray's scoring a lot of goals. Uh, Jacob's chipping in with, with dangerous some set pieces. So, uh, yeah, it's been good. And, um, you know, even, again, strange that we're in this sort of relegation mix. I saw a stat that we've scored, I think it's three, maybe three, two or three more points than we did last year. Um, and we were a little bit more comfortable last year. Um, so we've got more points and, and here we are having a little bit of a wobble. So And we've still three games to go. So it's strange, strange um, sort of statistical setups there. But um, but yeah, I mean, I think it just shows the level of competition you're at. And how are you going to sort of approach those last three games now that you've got the safety? Are you going to sort of enjoy those and sort of see see what sort of um, football you can play in those, perhaps go toe-to-toe -to -toe with the, the, the last three opponents? Yeah, I want to win them. Yeah, well, there's nine points to play for, and I'd like to get them. You know, um, we could go ahead of Uxbridge, which would be um, which would be pleasing. Um, I think if we'd have got the win on Monday, then that would have that would have really put the pressure on them. But um, yeah, we want to we want to get nine points, and uh, you know, Basingstoke is is as you know it could be regard, regarded as a free hit. But um, for us, it's about trying to beat beat the best teams that we can and beat every team we can. And Basingstoke are one of those. And let's not forget they battered us eight nil. So um, when we were particularly weak, so uh, you know we're we're going to go toe to toe with them for sure. And now you've got survival. I've got to ask you about um, the Ireland job as well. You did you did say you wanted to see GFC safe before you made any decision on that. Um, what's your feelings now that um, now that that has been guaranteed? Yeah, it's um, a question I've been asked a few times now, um, even though it was only yesterday. But um, yeah, I think I think what I'm going to do now is is 
that, that that was my number one priority. I haven't changed that belief ever since. Um, and uh, I know the, the clock is ticking. I get that now. And, and the priority is now shifted from trying to keep us safe. Obviously, we are now, um, so I can I can throw that out the way. Um, and the, the Maratian Island Games becomes a, a serious thing for me to question. Um, so uh, I'm going to give it a week. Uh, I know the, the clock's ticking. Uh, I'll give it give it some time and, and have a real serious thought about it. But um, yeah, no, I mean, uh, as I said, I've always said that um, I've always said right from the off that if there was someone else available, then brilliant. Um, it doesn't look like there is, obviously. Chris, you know, he, the opportunity there isn't, isn't happening. No one else has jumped out. Um, so, uh, yeah, let's see. Let's see what it takes us. But um, can you ask me in a week again? I <laughs> <laughs> Tony Vance speaking to you there. Gareth, um, still uh, to be drawn, should we say, on the Moratian Island Games job. Um, it sounds like he's going to be doing some uh, serious thinking this week and, and we might know um, sooner rather than later on that one. And I guess the the positive all round though is that um, that yeah the the form of of going to the FC means that maybe we'll head into those games with a bit more confidence, perhaps than we would have done if we'd we'd had to play them in uh, sort of January or February. Yeah, certainly the, the form of the team and also the, just the form of, of sort of some key players as well. Obviously, um, it's great to see Charlton Govine back and fit and firing. He, he looks like he's he's got a lot of hunger at the moment, which is not surprising considering how much of a, of a chunk of the season he's missed. And also um, with Ross back, I mean, he scored another terrific goal on Monday. It was a just a delightful goal, and sort of on a three G pitch to take the ball the way he did and sort of kill it, and then chip the goalkeeper pretty much from sort of twenty yards, all in one motion. Was just it was just a, a joy to watch uh, on the live stream at the time. But yeah, when it comes to Marathi, you'd have to suggest that um, you know it's going to be obviously a, a GFC based side playing for Guernsey. And um, yeah, whoever's in charge, I mean, I'd, if if I was backing anyone, I'd still suggest that Tony Vance will probably end up being in charge for that game. Um, whoever's in charge, though, will um, will fancy their chances, I think, sort of on home soil with the sort of form that GFC have shown over the last couple of months. Yeah, looking forward to it now, I have to say. Um, as for GFC themselves, um, three games to go. Final home game on Sunday, um, a two o'clock kickoff against Basingstoke Town. Um, and Basingstoke, of course, in that title um, battle with Walton Hersham, both sides on 83 points, um, with Walton Hersham having the slightly better goal difference, which has been much improved <laughs> this week. Um, so that'll be a very interesting one. And uh, yeah, I, I, I suppose a chance for everyone to enjoy the occasion. But um, speaking to Tony as well, um, yeah, they, they, they want to have a say in that title race and, and um, yeah, get one over Basingstoke. Well, yeah, I think it's um, just the nature of how things has worked out this week. I think that should be a cracking game because GFC sort of like they're, they're not, they've, they've got their survival guaranteed now, but they'll want to actually test themselves against one of the best sides in the league. And Basingstoke have proved themselves to be that. And um, I think it, as long as the weather sort of stays fair, which I think the, the forecast for Sunday is pretty good, um, I think that's got the potential to be a, a real cracker and, and a properly entertaining game. Yeah, and after that, two away games to finish, Hamworth Villa and Bedfont Sports, um, the final game on Saturday, the 22nd of April. So a couple of weeks to go um, for the Green Lions. Um, 
Right, that's almost it from us. Um, but we've got a, an interesting interview to play you now um, with someone who I'm sure Guernsey FC uh, would have liked to have in their ranks um, this season, particularly after the uh, sort of lightning impact he made um, last campaign. But um, he was someone who uh, yeah, made a, a big impact quite quickly and was whisked off to Bristol City um, um, to follow in the footsteps of um, Alex Scott and Ben AC. That's Tim Apshin. Um, he scored on his Guernsey FC debut. Um, Gareth, I think you were down at Footslane for that one. Yeah, I certainly remember Tim coming on. We came off the bench, and I can't remember the opposition, but I remember he showed his his skill and pace and a, and a great finish. Um, in just to really make his mark straight away, I just remember seeing it and thinking, "Well, that's impressive." And yeah, like you say, Tony, it was one of those. Oh, we got a great one for the future of GSC here. <laughs> and then I think um, almost off the back of that, um, he was recommended that Bristol City have a have a look at him. And uh, yeah, he hasn't been back since. Yeah, off he went exactly. <laughs> um, his uh, signing for Bristol City announced at the same time as as Ben AC um, last summer. Although um, I think we we knew about Ben AC's um, move a little earlier um, than Tim's, but it yeah suddenly all came together very very quickly for him. And uh, yeah, off he went last summer and he started very, very well over there. Um, some really impressive performances um, for their academy side and, and by all accounts was absolutely flying. Um, but unfortunately, um, he suffered a very nasty injury not long into the season, um, a very serious ACL um, injury picked up during a match, um, which is um, we were really sorry to hear about at the time. But it sounds like he's been making really good progress with his rehab and recovery. Still a little way away from playing football again, but working very hard nonetheless. And we were pleased that when he was back in the island over Easter, he popped in um, for a chat about his Bristol City story so far and how he hopes he can use this experience um, to make him a stronger player in the future. Tim, thanks for coming in. Good to see you. Nice to see you too as well. Um, yeah, just talk us through your current situation then and, and, and yeah, your, your recovery and, and rehabilitation. So uh, basically, I, I'm at Bristol City at the moment. I've been playing for the under-18s, doing really well up until about August the 1st, the day after my birthday. A couple of my friends were over to watch me play and my dad. And um, <clears throat> I had COVID the week before, so I was on limited minutes. So I came on quite late. Uh, within five minutes, I took a touch and went down the line, had a shot across goal and I buckled my knee sort of, landed in a funny way and felt a pop and that was basically it. Um, I went to the hospital straight after and the, the the doctor at the hospital was like, yeah, there's no no ligament damage, no nothing. Um, and then turns out we got an MRI scan and my ACL had completely ruptured. So a ligament in my knee had basically just snapped in half and... Crikey. that was it so how what, yeah i mean what what was the sort of emotion like in that moment well i saw i i got told um when i was at my house um so digs so my host family in in england and i got told my dad and my mum tried to phone me it was quite late so i wasn't picking up and then the host family dad came in he was like uh your mum wants to speak to you and i was like okay well there must be something going on so i opened it and they're like oh we've just got news from the physio that you've uh, done your ACL pretty much, ruptured it. And um, I sort of just, I didn't process it at the time. I was just like, okay, well, it's quite late. <laughs> um, I need to sleep to be honest, but I didn't really process it fully. I was just like, yeah, that's that's what can you do really? I'll, I'll probably talk to the physio later in the morning, see, what, see what's actually, the extent of what's actually happened. Yeah. So at the time that I initially got told, I didn't really think much of it. And then the morning after, um, the physio, right like, like 8.30 in the morning, pulled me out and was like, we need to have a chat. 
and then he was like oh do you, did your mum or dad tell you um and i was like yeah um and he said yeah so basically we've got a report back from the mri and he said what you've done is you've just completely ruptured your acl um so we'll think about what we need to do next um so have your breakfast come back down we'll have a chat um and then, then it was just sort of like okay that's i didn't really knew how know how long it was going to be um but i sort of knew that acl it's never one that you want to hear as a footballer so i was like okay this is this isn't very isn't very good but, yeah um i was just focusing on to me, I was just uh, having a longer chat with him and see what actually the extent of what's actually happened to me. I was so disappointed as well, because by all accounts, you'd settled in so well. You were, you were going really well. I mean, yeah. talk us through those first few sort of weeks and months. So um, in preseason, I joined. Um, we had a couple of preseason fixtures. They were all going well. I was playing really well. Um, um, I was really enjoying it as well. It was great settling in. Um, and then I one of, two of our right wing backs got um, injured. So... We had a lot of strikers at the time, so I we I moved into the role of right wing back, which I actually really enjoyed because we play very attacking wing back, so it's sort of a right wing role. Um, so I really enjoyed it, and it was a lot of running um, up and down, up and down. But I, I really enjoyed it there. So I sort of moved to right wing back, had a couple of games at the start of the season um, until our other people, other players were back fully fit. Until they were, um, I was playing right wing back, and then as soon as they um, moved to their original position. I went back up to striker and we played Hull City and that was our biggest battle. So we won 9-0. That was an absolute wrecking. Tony Vance was there with Etty. That's son. good. <laughs> um, it was always good seeing him and I scored a hat-trick in that game. Um, so that was the first hat-trick of the season and it felt good to do that. Um, and then it was all going well. I was just all playing um, very well. Played Swansea. Um Barnsley was a tough game. We lost that, but it was all really going well. And then I got um, sick from COVID and then came back. And then obviously yeah. it all went downhill from there. Oh, and you're working very hard now on the rehab. Um, yeah, just give us a, a sense of, 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 yeah, of how much work is going in to, to get you kind of back yeah. on the pitch. So um, I've, I've been working really hard on getting myself mentally and physically stronger because... Um, I couldn't do anything technically to do with my feet or anything. So I just sat down and was like, okay, so what can we do to, how can I improve? Um, and one of my strong points was my speed and my power before. How can we actually get my strength up? How can I build a bit of bulk um, and get mentally like more resilient and uh, ready for, for when I come back? So, in the, so I got my surgery the start of November and then up until Christmas, it was just little, little things. So it wasn't really any gym work properly. And then after Christmas until now, so this sort of four month block, I've just been re really working hard on my gym, just getting strong, stronger, making sure my uh, I'm mentally ready for the season um, and just getting ready for, for when I come back because there's nothing I can do. There's nothing I can, I can't magically fix it. So I can just take it as it is, take it in my stride and, just take it as a blessing take it as oh it's it's not just a bad thing but it's actually a good thing that i can work on other aspects of my game like my strength and my power and everything like that so in the past four months it's been a lot of a lot of hard work it's been really hard um <clears throat> especially when you 
when you're in the gym and our gym there's a glass wall where you can see the players walk out and i'm in the gym like <laughs> you're just yeah, sure, doing yeah. some calf raises or something and you see all my all my friends and the players walk out it's like okay yeah that's a bit frustrating but i can't go on the pitch and do yeah. anything so I'm, i've got to just work on myself really but i've just been doing a lot of gym work a lot of plyometrics a lot of just everything that you can think of really t- apart from football work which which has been it's been good that I've been able to do that because I haven't I haven't had the time really because it's all been football it's like you can fit in gym with your football program but it's it's very hard to because you're burning a lot of calories mm. um you need to stay lean to play but you need to put on it's really hard so I've I've sort of taken that four month block really well and just got a much more stronger. Yeah, good. brilliant. I mean, it sounds like, yeah, you've taken a real kind of pragmatic, positive approach yeah. to, to what's a difficult situation. I guess sort of 20, 30 years ago, ACL injuries were, were pretty different. Now the kind of, I suppose, the expertise in, in terms of rehab and, and operations and stuff um, is so much different, isn't it? I mean, for you in terms of that mentality, how important is it that you started so well? Is that, you know, you had that taste yeah. of it, you were going well. Is that something you can really kind of hold on to as you, yeah, get yeah. back to playing? I, I think so. Uh, yeah, definitely. Because I, I was doing really well and I was really pushing myself and doing myself quite proud, actually. Um, I can sort of take that. And so I, because I scored three against Hull, I can sort of go, I can I can do that. There's no problem. I, there's no, obviously I can't now, but when I come back, it's it's all going to be much, I'm thinking of it as it's going to be easier because I'll be stronger more stable more agile I can be even better so taking what I did in pre-season and the start of the season mentally has just been great because I can say oh you haven't lost anything the only thing you've lost is maybe you're a bit you're gonna be a bit rusty for the first month or two but I can I've done what I've done before I can still do it again so I've taken that mentally as you haven't lost anything, but you, you've, you've only gained something, which is your yeah. strength and size pretty much. Yeah, fantastic. And it sounds like the club have been really good with you as mm. well. Um, what can you say about how they've looked after you? Oh, they yeah, they've been great. So Dave, who's my physio, he's been excellent with me. He's been very understanding. Um, the strength and conditioning coaches, the sports science coaches, they've all been great. They've all helped me, obviously, with my path, but also not just them, the players. Um, especially at the start when I was on crutches, they would hold the door open for me. Just little things like getting my food for me because I, I would struggle. They've all been really, really kind to me. Yeah. Um, and also just the management. So Brian Tinian, who's who just does everything pretty much. <laughs> um, he's been really understanding of me. He's been really good with me. Um, and all the coaches are just, they've all gone because one of the coaches he's done his ACL he understands he can sympathize with me and he's just they're all really excited for me to come back and the players are they've all been really really good they've all been really caring on me which is nice to nice to know that they're there I can fall back and like if it's not going too well that so I had a week period where my numbers were actually sort of just plateauing a bit more and I was getting a bit demotivated I was like oh this isn't going very well and we we changed it up with the physio we got a new different like um, approach to it and he just went, sat down with me. So we have like frequent meetings um, with the physio and the sports science and the S&C coach saying, okay, this is going well. What what can we improve because of the tests that we do? And he's gone, okay, well, we can, we can sort of like take that bit of a back pedal and we can just do something else to try and motivate you, try and make you um, 
feel like you're going somewhere you're not just plateauing and mm. just stopping they've all been really really good which is nice that's awesome to hear and what's it like in bristol as a as a young guernsey man obviously uh with alex doing so well yeah. there we spoke to ben ac recently as well um does everyone put a lot of expectation on you to yeah, follow mean, those footsteps it's like the yeah there's always going to be a comparison even if i start playing there's always going to be a comparison like oh is he the next Alex scott is he the next ben ac is he <laughs> Is he as good? Is he whatever? But it's quite hard to fill certain shoes like yeah. his, but I'm just going to try and make my own path, really. But it is nice in Bristol, though. Um, it's a nice place. I love it there. Um, my host family's nice. Um, everyone's everyone's really caring. And it's just a nice place. It's got just great shopping, great um, landmarks. You know, there's just there's a bit of everything there. It's um, just, yeah, it's great. And at the club, at the HBC, which is the training ground, Ben's really not like I would say it's like a, just a little Guernsey community within <laughs> within Bristol but it is very nice that he's there and Alex is there he's injured at the moment so I see him in the gym often he always comes up to me when he can checks if I'm all right um yeah it's it's really nice to have that sort of mentor in a sense even though he's so young that that he's done it I can sort of he sort of paid that way for me to follow in the footsteps really um and Ben as well he's doing really well doing I watched him against Sheffield United against um, a couple of days ago in the under-21s, he played really well. Um, I think it is just very nice that there's just someone to just to talk to as well. Um, it, you can always talk to anyone at the club, but it's nice that it's like Guernsey people as well. Because I think if I was at another club where it's just a bit more foreign, I know it's completely different Bristol and Guernsey, but it seems more home-like because they're there and yeah. it's like sort of a Guernsey link in a sense. You're going to get a little Liberation Day party going. Yeah, me and <laughs> all three of us just, you know. <laughs> but yeah, no, it's nice. Well, it was also when uh, when the, you know, the signing was announced and the, the, you know, the, the release went out with your, your photo sort of draped in the Guernsey flag. <laughs> yeah, that was, I mean, I got taken the mick out of that. But yeah, no, it's, it's, it came out because I it was the last day of school for me ever. Um, and then... I had to miss one of the games for school that they do every year. And um, I just remember getting on a flight and I held up the Guernsey flag um, like they were, you know, in front of me. And they're like, no, wrap it round you. I was like, okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, but no, it was nice that when it came out and everyone was putting it on their stories yeah. or like messaging me, it was, it was very nice. Even my friends who were taking the mick out of me still appreciated you know they gave me some praise yeah nice. definitely i bet your dad's got that one on the wall yeah. <laughs> and um take us back to you know your development as a player and 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 you know what led up to that move to bristol obviously it was a little spell with guernsey fc mm. very very yeah, brief yeah. um you made a big impression in quite a short time mm. but before that as well um yeah what what was sort of the key moments for you do you think looking back that well i think of- i started very young like i was sort of 9, 10, 11, sort of that period where I went to Southampton um, every Monday, pretty much. I'd get picked up from school, fly to Southampton, train for an hour and a half and fly back. is is quite uh, taxing, but it was a good experience. But and then I was at Fulham for a bit, which was really good. So we played like, it was, it was they had great training facilities. They had a great um, academy there. And we played like Southampton and Crystal Palace, Arsenal, Tottenham. And it was really nice uh, there. And then sort of, it was like that, we had a couple years or four, three years period or whatever. I was um, just in Guernsey. I was with Orma, so Ed Adams and my dad um, with Orma, Joe Adams as well, he was playing there. And it was really nice because I was, I was with kids that were older than me, two, three years older than me. And that always gives you a bit of a, a rough, a rough up pretty much. And it is good that 
I think if I didn't do that, then I would have struggled a bit more in men's football. But I think it was good that I was with them. And I sort of progressed through that. And then in the past two years, I've been playing for this team called ISFA, Independent Schools Football Association. So it's like all the independent schools have a rep team, a representative, representation, oh God, representative <laughs> yeah. team. And um, they sort of just put a team together and we play fixtures. So we played Millwall, Brighton. And uh, it was good playing with them because... It gives you exposure to the UK. It gives you how they play because it's very different to how we play. Um, some stuff doesn't work. Some stuff does work. It was nice playing those teams with this for, and that really helped my development really. Um, and then, yeah, I've just been work. I just in lockdown, I've been working really, really hard because I was thinking all the kids in England, they they can't train. So I'm going to take it as oh, I can train. I can sort of get ahead. Or what are they doing that that I you know that I'm doing so that was really good and I sort of progressed all through that and just worked as hard as I can just tried to focus on myself I can't affect other people I can't affect what they're doing in the UK I can't affect people looking at me I can only affect myself and how good I am so I just did that and then obviously I started training with GFC and then at the end of the season got um, my call up and then I just had to take my chance and luckily I did <laughs> I don't know how much I would have turned out if I didn't but no it was it was nice um, and then just I went on trial uh, for a week and then two days in they offered me a scholarship That's there a pretty good uh, yeah and <laughs> pretty I was good pretty response. Um, and then uh, did that and then the signing had my GCSEs and then I was straight over for preseason a week later. So it was all happened a very quick, very quickly in that short amount of time there. But um, before that, it was all about just going over in the UK every every now I can. Lockdown, just working hard and just trying to progress as much as I can. Um, not trying to focus on other people, what they're doing, because I can't affect them. It's only me. So. Yeah. Does it feel like you know every little bit of that experience is kind of built yeah. up to to where you are now? I think it's all it's all just added up. Like like I said with Orma playing against older people, that's another block of playing against men. Because I think it's really important as soon as you hit sixteen that you you can try and play against men because that's really helped me when I I've been over because it's like everyone's it, well, obviously they're probably more technically good, but um, they're not physically as, as dominant or anything. So you can sort of learn to use your body. I think that's why Alex draws so many fouls is because he's played GFC and he knows that how to use his body against older men. But I think all those little building blocks is sort of like the little steps. So playing for Fulham with Southampton, Orma, going away, Isfa, it's all just added steps to where I am now, to be honest. Yeah. And did you always have that goal of, of being a professional? Yeah. Yeah, I've always had that goal, like, that's just my dream since I was a, since a little kid, you know, like many other boys. But you start to see it. I started to see it when I was at Fulham and everything. Like I'm, I've actually got sort of a chance here. And it, it did get quite hard in lockdown because I wasn't playing. It was against, you know, you see um, other players playing in an academy. And it's like, oh, it's, I'm in Guernsey. I'm on the moon pretty much. <laughs> so it, there's no chance you can get scouted or looked at. Um, but I didn't take that as, oh, I might as well give up. I took that as well, we can see what we can actually do about this by working hard. And then luckily with the ISFA, I was able to get out there in the UK because I think there's always an opportunity for getting out in the UK. You can go to a, a school's college as well when you hit 16. It's just about staying motivated, I think, because especially during lockdown, a lot of kids my age, I know that just didn't really bother with it because they, they didn't see it as a, a way out. Um, I think a lot of players just didn't see it as a way out and they didn't 
care. So they were just like, I'm just going to give up. But I think if I have to praise myself, I would say I've taken that very well and gone, well, I can't affect it. I can't affect how many cases there are in the UK or whatever. Yeah. So I'm going to try and take it as they're, they're in a worse opportunity because we were in our little community. I was able to play a few games at the later stages, but it, it was just taking it as a good opportunity. So I just... Yeah, took it as that. Really. Yeah, fantastic. And you know, when you think back to those games for GFC and and, mm. and playing, um, yeah, age group representative football for Guernsey, are you pleased that you're able to do that and put on a green shirt, yeah, white no. shirt? As it wasn't. It was but- it was very nice, especially playing for the under 16. It's just like I'd already played for GFC, and it was like I like, I just it it feels nice playing for Guernsey, playing for your island. Um, it feels good. You're representative that representing them even if it's against anyone it doesn't really matter if it's against a pre team or whatever but it, it does feel nice just to put on that that white or green shirt um and playing for your for your island even at younger ages when you would go away for trips um to like jersey or whatever it, it just feels quite nice that you're just representing your island and you're with your friends and everything it's very nice to sort of do that even if in the marathi my age group we didn't win but it was just a, it was a good experience to be honest and just finally talk us through the timeline now then you've obviously got a bit more work ahead mm. rehab wise but what's the sort of the magic date that you've got in your head well it's it all depends on how well i do but we're looking towards august september so i got my surgery in november so it's about nine to 12 months so it could be later it could be earlier but i think around august september would be the time i'll be back sort of playing properly it won't be fully 90 minutes straight away it's sort it's all just gradually building into it but i think around august september um so i'll probably miss a couple games at the start of the season and then build 20 minutes in 40 minutes 45 and then just see how it is but it will just depends how hard i work to be honest (laughs) and everything and how well it goes but i think around around that period brilliant well it sounds like your head's in the right place and uh, you'll put in that hard work so yeah we'll we'll look forward to seeing you back on a pitch thank you thanks for coming in no worries Tim Apshon speaking to me there. Um, yeah, I was really struck by how uh, how impressive um, Tim's mentality is. Um, yeah, really, um, really mature head on on, on young shoulders, and um, yeah, sort of just seemingly taking such a positive approach to what you know what has obviously been a really disappointing and unsettling period in terms of in terms of his football. But to to take so many positives out of it and and look ahead to the future with. Um, with uh, relish is um, really impressive to see. Yeah, definitely. Um, I was really impressed with how he spoke, actually. And I mean, like you say, Tony, to take such a to have such a big backward step with an injury, you know, through no fault of his own, but to have an ACL rupture is is really really bad luck in one sense, but also just um, the nature of his career being so young and what have you. He's just starting to make an impression at Bristol City, and then to not be able to do so for the next, you know, nine months or whatever it's been, must have been really hard on him at the time. But yeah, he, he's he's not let it get him down. It seems he, he's just thought, right, well, this has happened. I've got to get on with it. I will get on with it. And yeah, he just spoke really impressively, and hopefully he comes back, um, you know, stronger. Like he talks about doing a lot of work in the gym and just ready to hit the ground running because um, he's certainly got a lot of ability. And the good news is um, he's actually been offered an extended contract at Bristol City. So um, carrying him through to 
hopefully beyond um, beyond his recovery and um, yeah, give him a bit of a platform to to kind of show um, the sort of form he did when he first went over there. So that's fantastic news and um, yeah, really exciting to see um, how he gets on. So we'll be following his progress um, very closely and um, yeah, we of course wish him all the best. Um, quick word on uh, his fellow Guernsey he went over there, Alex Scott nominated for um, Championship Young Player of the Year um, just this week and also being linked now with a move to Liverpool. That's the, the latest one I've been reading in the uh, in the mail. It'd be a lot quicker to list the Premier League clubs he hasn't been linked with I think I think pretty much everyone has yeah. apparently had scouts watching him and um, it's no surprise really is it so we'll see I'm sure the uh, the hype um sure the hype will be uh, continuing to build um well thanks very much Gareth a bit later than scheduled this week um, it was always going to be a late one but then uh, um yeah a bit of illness in the uh, in the camp uh, has pushed us back another day so um thanks very much we'll be back next week um on normal schedule um taking uh, all of what's been happening in local football and in the meantime do pick up a paper um six days a week um for comprehensive local football coverage comprehensive local sports coverage and follow us online as well at gsy press sport it's a place to go on facebook twitter and instagram um, and of course, GuernseyPress.com. Right, that's it. Our thanks once again to Rehoy and Son, and we'll see you next time. Cheers, Tony. Cheers.